Hello and welcome to Live Full. My name is Joey Schwartz and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. In this episode, we're giving practical counsel about how to desire the gift of tongues, how to grow in the gift of tongues, and even how to talk to others about the gift of tongues. That's where we're going. Let's get started. been a joy to walk together through this series on the gift of tongues. Continue to let us know how Jesus is moving in you and in your community. You can let us and others know about that by leaving a review. You can also send us an email at joey at caradox.com. We would love to hear what the Spirit of God is doing through this teaching. We're now on to part seven, if you can believe it, part seven of our teaching on the gift of tongues. And so before we dive into new teaching for this episode, Let's recap where we've been. We started by connecting the gift with the giver. When we remember that the gift of tongues comes straight from the heart of the Jesus we love, we can lay down the walls of fear, anxiety, and discomfort and lean into what God has to say about the gift. From there, in part one and two, we define the gift of tongues. It's a God-given, spirit-crafted language that fuels prayer in the spirit and forms Christ in us. Then in part three and four, we dove deep into the beautiful benefits of this gift, how it fuels spirit-filled prayer, and then how it forms us into the image of Christ. In the last episodes, part five and six, we explored the biblical guardrails that ensure we are practicing the gift of tongues in a way that glorifies God and builds up the church, which brings us here, part seven, where we're going to give some practical counsel for the gift of tongues. Among the believers I've talked to who are wanting to explore or practice the gift of tongues but are having a difficult time, I would put their main obstacles into two categories, confusion and unfamiliarity. Confusion and unfamiliarity. When I say confusion, I mean a lack of biblical clarity about what the tongues is, what it's for, how God's word instructs us to use it. And this confusion typically comes from the absence of teaching and discipleship around the gift of tongues. It's hard to want or practice God's gift if you don't know what the gift is and what it's for. Hence the first six parts of our series. What we've been aiming to do for the first six episodes of this series is to clear up the confusion. To provide all the biblical clarity, you need to desire and practice the gift. That's how we've tackled the confusion. But what about the unfamiliarity? When I say unfamiliarity, I mean a lack of mentorship, experience, and examples of the gift of tongues practiced well. If you belong to a church where you might have a hard time naming five people who have the gift of tongues, it's very hard for obvious reasons to find a godly example of a brother or sister who's walking in this gift. And even worse, when in the absence of good examples, your only examples of the gift of tongues come from bad examples that you see on TV or among prosperity preachers, your perceived distance from this gift only increases. And because of the unfamiliarity from a lack of mentorship experience and examples, those who want to desire or practice the gift of tongues are left wanting when it comes to some practical questions. How should I seek the gift of tongues? How do I grow in the gift of tongues? How do I know whether I really have the gift of tongues? How should I talk about the gift of tongues? These are questions that the Bible doesn't explicitly provide answers for, 
but they are questions that would be answered through observing a community that is walking in a holy and godly use of tongues. Just like, for example, when the Bible calls us to pray, the Bible doesn't provide too much practical counsel on the structures, disciplines, habits that lead to a flourishing prayer life. Some, but the Bible doesn't answer all the questions about how we ought to pray. You could find this counsel from watching a community of prayer or a godly man or woman who is especially fervent in prayer or from reading a book from Paul Miller or D.A. Carson or Tim Keller on prayer. And so my goal for this episode is to ease the unfamiliarity by providing some practical counsel on the gift of tongues. Now, before we dive into this counsel, I want to give a word of clarification. While I'm going to use plenty of biblical principles here, the counsel that follows is not explicitly laid out in scripture, which means you need to test all of this before God's word and God's spirit. Test all things. I want to clearly delineate the previous episodes that were straight from biblical instruction on the gift of tongues and this episode, which is based on biblical principles, but needs to be tested. Now, if stepping outside the bounds of what is explicitly biblical makes you automatically nervous, and I understand that, and I think there's a lot of good in that, let me give it another example of how this plays out. When I was in seminary, I took three or four courses on how to interpret scripture, how to form a sermon, how to preach God's word. Another way of seeing this is that the professors were teaching us how to practice the gift of teaching. Now, while professors were providing counsel on how to practice the gift of teaching, they used plenty of biblical principles, but their counsel by necessity stepped out of what is biblically explicit when they told us how to diagram a passage to study it how to outline a sermon, and even really good strategies for preaching the word, none of this counsel was explicit in scripture. And yet throughout all of these classes, no one raised their hands and yelled, whoa, 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 why are you telling us any of this? None of this counsel is straight from scripture. No, as we were learning about the gift of teaching, everyone understood that we can receive counsel from believers and test it under scripture while always keeping in mind what is explicitly from God's word and what is not. No one found it weird or blasphemous for preaching professors to give practical counsel on preaching. So as we talk about practical counsel around the gift of tongues, take all of this in the same way, as if it's a seminary class on tongues where we've covered the biblical framework, and now I'm going to give you some practical counsel on how to walk in tongues. Test all things and hold fast what is good. Let's dive in. around four questions on the gift of tongues. Four questions. Question number one is going to be, how do you desire and receive the gift? We're going to talk about how to desire and receive the gift. Question number two, how do you discern the gift? Question number two, how do you discern the gift? Question number three, how do you grow in the gift? And then question number four, how do you talk to others about the gift? There are plenty more practical questions that we could answer, but for the purpose of time and keeping this episode under an hour, we're going to focus on four here. So we could do an entire episode on each of these questions. 
but for the sake of time, we're going to handle these in a relatively uh, rapid fire fashion. So let's begin with question number one. How do you desire and receive the gift? We're talking about how do you desire and receive the gift? The vastly diverse stories of believers receiving the gift of tongues tells me that there is not one single way of desiring and then receiving the gift of tongues, just as there is not one formula that people use to be born again by the Spirit. Jesus said of the Spirit in John 3, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And this is true of the Spirit's work in granting the gift of tongues. As I said earlier in the series, I've heard of believers receiving tongues spontaneously as a child in worship, receiving tongues while others were praying over them in tongues, receiving tongues while alone in prayer, or receiving tongues in the middle of deep suffering. I've also heard of believers who were instructed to follow a word or a phrase that they thought might be the gift of tongues, and then by opening their mouth and repeating that phrase, God used that to give them the gift of tongues. I have seen God do way too many things that defy human reason to put him in a box of how he gives the gift of tongues. But I will say that since the gift of God is prompted by the spirit, remember it's a spirit crafted language. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, that the one who prays in tongues utters mysteries in the spirit. Since the gift of tongues is prompted by the spirit, I believe that you should be very careful with any method of desiring tongues that tries to manipulate or push the spirit instead of following him. So while I believe that God can give the gift of tongues to believers who open their mouth and utter a phrase, and God uses that to lead them into the gift of tongues, or to believers who are told to simply open their mouth and say whatever comes to their mind, I'm not demeaning that. I believe God can use things like that. I'm wary of recommending that as a practice, because I want to make sure that in everything we are believing that the Spirit of God is a real person who really pours out His presence and manifestations on His people and really leads us. He leads us in these things so that we're free to just follow Him. The gift of tongues is not gibberish. The gift of tongues is a Spirit-crafted language that He gives us. And while there's abundant freedom to take a step of faith and utter a phrase that you believe God has put on your heart, I want to simply encourage you to ensure you're following the Spirit and not pushing Him. Now that could lead you in this complicated wrestling of, am I following him or am I leading him? And am I pushing or is he leading me? So here's how I would actually encourage you to desire the gift of tongues. And I hope this just sets you free. Here's how I'd encourage you. Cultivate spacious, spoken, spirit-filled prayer and ask God directly for the gift. Cultivate spacious, spoken, spirit-filled prayer and ask God directly for the gift. That's my counsel. Spacious, provide plenty of time and space in your consecrated times of prayer to God. It is extremely difficult to reach into the depths of communion with God when your prayer life consists only of rushed and shallow requests that you spit out before getting on to the more important parts of your day. Focus on space with Jesus. And if you want some practical help on this point, you can walk through our three to 30 program. So spacious, but also spoken. While I wouldn't recommend that believers just say out loud what comes to mind in the hopes that God will turn it into tongues, I would strongly recommend that believers get in the habit of praying out loud to God, of using their mouth and tongue and vocal cords and lungs to cry out to God. Again, I, I believe it's impossible to have a deep prayer life when you never pray out loud to God. In most cases, those who always pray silently pray scarcely. 
Because if you won't offer your body and mouth and lungs to God in prayer, your heart has a hard time following and your distracted mind will win the day. Get in the habit of vocalizing prayer and perhaps the spirit will take over your vocal cords and speak a language you've never learned. So spacious, spoken, and spirit-filled. Lean on the power of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Praying in the spirit brings you beyond human desires, human ability, and human endurance so that your words are shaped, strengthened, and sustained by the spirit of God. And your heart is warmed by the assurance of his love. When you pray on your own apart from the Spirit, you're merely throwing words up to God. But when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying in God and through God, to God, in God the Spirit, through God the Son, to God the Father. You're caught up in the inexpressible joy of the triune God. While receiving the gift of tongues was certainly a massive turning point in my prayer life, I was pursuing a spacious, spoken, Spirit-filled prayer life before God gave me this gift. I wasn't there, I hadn't arrived, but I was pursuing that. I'd have times in prayer when the Spirit of God had appeared would fill me to the brim with His presence. And so when I received the gift of tongues, for me, although it had dramatic effects, it had a less than dramatic arrival. I was simply praying in the Spirit and the Spirit of God was filling my heart and filling my heart up to the brim. But whereas He would typically stop at the brim, He just kept going and overflowing until He gently brought my English speech to a halt budged himself into my vocal cords and began to utter through me a language that I had never learned. And as he did, my heart was filled with the love of God in a new way, as if he was giving my soul a satisfying drink as I prayed. Cultivate spacious, spoken, spirit-filled prayer, and then simply ask God directly for the gift of tongues. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Simply ask God. Just ask Him directly, believing that He's a generous Father. I had one sister say to me, and it's always stuck with my mind, I think it's a great line. She said, God doesn't give everyone the gift of tongues, but He sure is generous with this gift. God doesn't give everyone the gift of tongues, but he sure is generous with this gift. And that is so true. To those who earnestly seek this gift and long for it and hunger for it in the deepest place of their soul and will simply ask like a child, I believe he will grant that desire. I've seen it with my own eyes. My wife fervently prayed for nearly two years for the gift of tongues and I prayed fervently for her. And after a long season of waiting and perseverance, God the Father, the generous Father, gave her that gift in his good and perfect timing. Okay, so we've covered question number one. How do you desire and receive the gift? Let's move on to question number two. How do you discern the gift? How do you discern the gift? In other words, how do you know that you really have the gift of tongues? How do you know if it's something you're just making up? In the episode on tongues and Christ-likeness, I talked about a few questions you can use to test really any spiritual manifestation, but in our case, the gift of tongues. But here, I want to do something different. I want to talk through a common sequence of stages that I see believers walk through who have received the gift of tongues. And my hope is that this helps you as you perhaps go through these stages, locate where you could be in the process of discernment. So stage number one is experience and overflow. Stage number two is resistance and introspection. Stage number three is assurance and freedom. Stage number four is fluency and fruit. 
Experience and overflow, resistance and introspection, assurance and freedom, fluency and fruit. Let me walk through those. So stage number one is experience and overflow. You receive the gift of tongues and an experience of God and prayer and the spirit of God overflows in you and utters mysteries in the spirit. This is a mountaintop moment. Your heart senses the love of God and the presence of God in a way that maybe you never have before. But then you come to stage number two, resistance and introspection. The devil hates when we pray because he knows that a prayerless Christian is a fruitless Christian. He will do everything he can to stop Christians from praying. The devil also knows from experience that a Christian who receives the gift of tongues prays with more passion, power, and endurance that he or she did before. So put two and two together and you see why the devil hates the gift of tongues. So whenever a believer genuinely received the gift of tongues, the enemy will try to sow doubt, embarrassment, and cynicism in their mind, or he'll attack somewhere from the outside, having leaders or family members or friends react harshly to the news that this believer is now speaking in tongues. This resistance from the enemy makes the person who has received the gift of tongues start to introspect. Whereas they received the gift of tongues by beholding God, now they're looking within themselves. Is this real? Is this foolish? Is this going to alienate me from other believers? Now, the tragedy is that many believers are caught at stage two. The enemy wins the battle. Because of his resistance, they let the gift become dormant for years, decades, perhaps the rest of their life. And though the devil loses the ultimate war, this indeed is a victory for the kingdom of darkness. But for those who persevere, who stand firm and press on in prayer, even through the resistance, they move on to stage three assurance and freedom, assurance and freedom. The gift of tongues is not a gift of confusion. Brothers and sisters, hear me here. The gift of tongues is not a gift of confusion. It's a gift of freedom because the gift of tongues is simply the spirit of God manifesting his presence through mysteries in a language you've never learned. And where the spirit of the Lord is, 2 Corinthians 3.17 tells us, there is freedom. When you persevere and continue to give yourself to spacious, spoken, spirit-filled prayer through the resistance of the enemy, God will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 1 Peter 5.10 Whereas tongues felt hard, burdensome, and confusing, God will bring you into a place where you are sure, because of the inward testimony of the Holy Spirit, that the language indeed is coming from him. He will assure you that the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit who gave you new life is the spirit who is uttering tongues through your lips. And he will bring you to a place where the gift of tongues is a source of freedom in the spirit, freedom to pray at all times, freedom to seek God even when your strength is spent, freedom to experience the poured out love of God when you're weak. And from there, for those who will continue to practice the gift and make progress in it, there is stage four, fluency and fruit fluency and fruit. Like any spiritual gift, we can grow in the gift of tongues. We can make progress in our ability to use it to build up our spirit and build up the church. Whereas at first it might be hard to know, should I pray in tongues right now or should I not? Should I keep praying in tongues or should I switch to my mind? Is God telling me to pray in tongues or is that something else? As we progress, we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit and we develop a deeper sense of how to best walk in the gift he's given us. When I say fluency, I don't mean that we learn how to speak our spiritual language apart from the Holy Spirit. No, at all times, speaking in tongues is a manifestation of the Spirit's presence. The act cannot be done without His presence and empowerment. 
by fluency, I mean that similar to proficiency in a human language, we develop a competency in following the Spirit into the gift of tongues whenever He leads. By fruit, I mean the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As you progress in the gift of tongues, you and those around you should see evidence of the gift through the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you receive the gift of tongues, you might say, is this really making me more like Jesus? But as you use the gift and grow in it, the fruit will become evident to all. And this is the ultimate test of whether you've truly received the gift of tongues. Yes, you'll see yourself going through those four stages, experience and overflow, resistance and introspection, assurance and freedom, fluency and fruit. Yes, there is the inward assurance of the Holy Spirit. Yes, there is the personal benefits that it brings to our prayer life. But where the Holy Spirit is, you will see the fruit of his holiness. So the best test of whether you've truly received the gift of tongues is that it has, yes, transformed your prayer life, but even more, it has transformed you into the image of Christ. Now that we've covered how to discern the gift, let's move to question number three. Question number three, how do you grow in the gift of tongues? How do you grow in the gift of tongues? We've already covered this a bit when I just talked about growing into fluency and fruit, but I'm going to expand on it a bit here. When Paul talks about Timothy's spiritual gift in 1 Timothy 4, he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And this is true of all spiritual gifts. The more we use them in love and humility and the fear of the Lord, the more we will grow in them. And of course, this is true of the gift of tongues. You can become better at using the gift of tongues, which will lead to more fruit for Jesus through the gift of tongues. So how do you grow in the gift of tongues? Two ways. Follow the Spirit's promptings into prayer and follow the Spirit's promptings within prayer. Follow the Spirit's promptings into prayer, and follow the Spirit's promptings within prayer. First, follow the Spirit's promptings into prayer. As you pray more and more in tongues, you will develop a sense of what it feels like for the Holy Spirit to press on your heart and prompt you to pray in tongues. This spiritual discernment is extremely valuable, not just for telling you when to shift into praying in tongues while you're praying, but for telling you when the Spirit is leading you into prayer at any time. The call here is to pay attention to the Spirit at all times of the day and night for when He presses on your heart to pray in tongues. And if you want to grow in the gift and grow in sensitivity to His presence, you have to obey that prompting every time. Every time. I mean it. When the Spirit presses on your heart to pray in tongues, open your mouth and let him lead the way. Obey God by opening your mouth. And the more you do this, the more you will follow the Spirit into tongues while you're sitting across the table from a friend, while you're driving in the car, while you're eating breakfast with your kids, while you're stepping into a meeting while you're at work. And yes, by the power of the resurrection, even while you're waiting at the DMV. And the more you do this, the more you will follow the Spirit into tongues while you're sitting across the table from a friend, while you're driving in the car, while you're eating breakfast with your kids, while you're stepping into a meeting while you're at work. The more you do this, the more promptings the Spirit will give you. The more He'll tell you to pray because He knows you're faithful to follow. And this over time will lead to this ceaseless prayer that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6.18, praying in the Spirit at all times. So follow the Spirit's promptings into prayer but also follow the Spirit's promptings within prayer. What do I mean? Grow in the discernment and practice 
of freely moving back and forth between your spirit and mind in prayer. And let me say that again. Grow in the discernment and practice of freely moving back and forth between your spirit and your mind in prayer. If this sounds like charismatic mumbo jumbo, let me read where Paul says that this is exactly what his prayer life looks like. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. Paul didn't see a contradiction between praying in his native tongue and praying with his spiritual tongue, between praying with his mind and praying with his spirit. When you're growing in the gift of tongues, there is the temptation to feel burdened and frustrated whenever you sense that the spirit isn't calling you to pray in tongues. Or if you start praying in tongues and then it seems like the spirit is taking a step back and leading you to stop, you can get frustrated as if it's not working. But I want to encourage you to take another approach. When you sense that the spirit is calling you to not pray in tongues or you're praying in a tongue and the spirit holds you back, see this very simply as a call from the spirit to pray with your mind to pray in your native tongue. Don't get frustrated. Don't get sad. Don't feel burdened as if you're not doing it right. No, just switch to praying in English or Spanish or whatever your native tongue is. And then as you're praying with your mind, if the spirit prompts you to pray in tongues again, start praying in tongues. And if he seems to restrain your tongue speech, start praying with your mind. Grow in the discernment and practice of freely moving back and forth between your spirit and your mind in prayer. And it's all based on following the Holy Spirit. He is the leader and we can trust him to lead us in prayer. And when we do this, it sets us free. Yes, free. That's the key. The gift of tongues is a gift that's meant to lead you into deeper freedom in prayer. Most every time that I pray, God will at some point lead me in and out of praying in tongues. But what if he didn't? I would just pray in English. Praise God for the ability through the spirit and blood of Christ to pray to our father in a way that our minds can understand. And praise God for the ability through the spirit and the blood of Christ to pray to our father in tongues that our mind can't understand. I praise God for both and I use both with thanksgiving. I don't need to push God or feel mad when God doesn't lead me to pray like I want him to. I'm not the leader. He is. And he is a really gifted and effective leader. And by the way, this plays out really well as you're praying for others. I mentioned in the last episode the possibility that as you're praying for a brother or sister, God might have you pray in a tongue. And in this situation, as always, the key is to follow the Holy Spirit. Don't ever try to push ahead when he's pulling back, but also don't wait when he's pushing ahead. Follow the Spirit. Simply use the gift in freedom in joy, in love. The gift of tongues at some point should make you smile. There's freedom. How could you not when the Spirit of God is uttering mysteries through you? Follow the Spirit's promptings into prayer. Follow the Spirit's promptings within prayer, and you will grow in the gift of tongues. We've talked about how to desire and receive the gift, how to discern the gift, how to grow in the gift. And now we're on to the fourth and final question. How do you talk to others about the gift? How do you talk to others about the gift? The answer could be obvious. You open the scriptures and talk to them about the gift. That sounds really easy, but you probably know what I'm getting at here with this question. There's a cultural barrier and an often Christian sensitivity to the gift of tongues that requires we take extra care in how we communicate about the gift. If the question was, how do you talk to others about the gift of teaching or the gift of service or the gift of mercy? The answer would be more obvious. But when we're talking to our friends about a gift that they could connect with a ton of baggage from their past, from an experience or 
even from a perception that they have of a certain denomination, we need to think through it with care. We have to start with love. The 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians is in the Bible to remind us that we ought to never exalt the spiritual gift over the priority of love. Our goal in every conversation should be to let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up, Ephesians 4.29. And that includes talking to our family and friends about the gift of tongues. For starters, this means that we don't give our brothers and sisters more than they can bear. In John 16, verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus is a patient teacher. He gives us just enough teaching to grow and sustain us now, but he has much more to give us at the proper time later when we can bear it. And I think that this principle should guide who we decide to talk about the gift of tongues with. While we have nothing to be ashamed of in this good gift of God, and I I hope you've seen that in this series, we do need to be careful about talking about tongues with someone who, because of where they are at in their walk with Jesus, are just not ready for that conversation. So when I received the gift, I wanted to talk about it with my closest brothers in the Lord because I knew they had the biblical foundation to be able to engage in that conversation and engage in it well. But I didn't go around telling everyone, at least not at first, not because I was ashamed, but because I wanted to be mindful of not giving anyone more than they could bear. I don't hide the Holy Spirit in his work in my life. I just ease them into it. They don't need everything in one bite. One of my mentors always says, give them one piece of bread at a time and let them ask for the next. And I think that's really wise counsel. Far more than you talk to others about the gift of tongues, pray for them in tongues and pray with your mind also. If they're not ready to hear it from you, pray that the spirit would speak it to them in a way that only he can. But let's say that you think your friend is ready for that conversation. You want to talk to them about the gift of tongues. One thing I'd recommend, tear down their defenses with humility and godly affirmation. Tear down their defenses with humility and godly affirmation. If your friend has their walls up against this gift, it's probably because they've seen the gift misused as a threshold to true Christianity or as something that brings believers on a higher spiritual plane. So you can tear down that wall by humbly acknowledging your sin, even while you talk about the spiritual benefits of tongues, and also by affirming where you see the grace of Jesus in them. When you affirm that they belong to Jesus and that God is sanctifying them, you free them from feeling that you are the sanctified one in the conversation because you have the gift of tongues. And then lastly, without shame and in the right timing, use the scriptures and your experience to encourage believers toward the gift. This is key. Don't be ashamed. Without shame, in the right timing, use the scriptures and your experience to encourage believers toward the gift. There is a reason why Jesus has given this gift. It is good. It increases our love, our joy, our peace, our patience. It revolutionizes our prayer life. It enables us to pray in the spirit when our minds check out. It empowers our spirit to overcome our weak flesh. It clothes us with the power of the spirit over the evil one. Hallelujah. Praise God for this gift. Jesus not the gift of tongues, is the hero. He's the point. He's the theme of our message. We are not tongues evangelists. And yet, Jesus, this good and gentle shepherd, has given the gift of tongues as a way of supporting, guiding, and comforting his sheep. So it is good to encourage others toward his good gift. How do you do that? I'd point them to study the scriptures, and especially 1 Corinthians 14, 
and then encourage them to cultivate spacious, spoken, spirit-filled prayer. Tell them what God has done in your life through the gift of tongues and then pray for them. In fact, this series has been designed to be a conversation starter between you and your friend. Our aim has been to start the conversation, to be an accessible teaching on this precious gift that you can listen to with a friend and then continue the conversation. And I hope it's been that. And I pray the Lord blesses you as you pray and help others pray to God in this gift. This is the final episode in this series in which you'll just be hearing from me. But we're not done. In the next episode, I'm bringing on my wife to share a personal testimony of desiring and waiting for and receiving the gift of tongues. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Full, where our mission is to help followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. You can find articles, devotionals, resources, and podcast notes at caradox.com. And to stay updated on everything we release, sign up for our Three Things Thursday newsletter at caradox.com slash three things. Thanks to Charlie King for creating the music for this podcast. Thanks to our Caradox partners at Patreon for making this ministry possible. All of our listeners, thank you. This show exists for you, so thank you for listening, reviewing, and spreading the word. Until next time, give your all to know and love and experience the fullness of Jesus, because life to the full is life in Christ.